Hello everyone, welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's December 23rd and Merry Christmas guys, Merry Christmas in advance. I'm here with the very own Hoyen Consola Adirele and we will be sharing the news today. Hoyen Consola, holla at them real quick. Hello. Hi guys, this oh is Consola. I'm glad to be back on the podcast with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. And I hope you all are enjoying your wonderful, wonderful break. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Yeah. For, for those of you working through the Christmas period, sorry for you. Anyways, um, back to it. Let's, uh, let's get started with the news. Um, so, it's December 23rd. And like we said, we're going to be bringing these updates to you twice a month, uh, every other week. So now uh, we'll start with Uganda. Um, Uganda's parliament, as a rollover from the conversation we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, Uganda's parliament actually voted to get rid of the presidential age limit. Uh, Their current president, Museveni, could potentially rule up to 2037. He is currently almost 75 and 2037 he would be that's 20 years from now in 2037 he will be 95 so they're effectively prepping for mugabe round two um unfortunately the uh, controversial age limit bill was passed after going through the three legislative processes and uh it came to a final vote uh 315 members of the parliament voted in favor while 62 voted against and two people abstained um, the lawmakers also extended terms of office for the president and the parliament from five to seven years. So the terms of offices are now longer. Uh, the effect will take change with, within the ongoing tenures. So um, that means that everybody who's currently in office can also get to take advantage of this extension. Um, another big change is that the law, oh, Another big law that was passed relative to these, the presidency is the restoration of the two-term limit. So it means that rather than having to run for uh, election at the end of every term, they can effectively have um, they can effectively have run for two terms. Um, so it means that Museveni can have two more shots at the presidency starting from the next elections in 2023. So yeah, uh, that's that's the news on Uganda. Unfortunately, 75 or 70, almost 75 year old man has uh, successfully uh, made the moves to rule pretty much till he dies. Uh, any thoughts on this story? Um, <laughs> well, actually, Museveni is 73. 73. Um, and the presidential age limit was formerly pegged at 75. Mm-hmm. So he would have had, he would... He could still have been president for two more years, but yeah. now he can be president for even much longer yep. than 75. So that's um, that sucks. very interesting. <laughs> old men want to rule forever. African countries, we keep seeing the same problem, recycling the same leaders, recycling the same same ways and hoping that something will change, something will become mm-hmm. better. And isn't that the very definition of madness? Yep. I don't know. That is um, true. That's true. I mean, you just have to, I mean, you can even see with the story, too, that, you know, the, even the, the lawmakers, so the people who voted for him also got an advantage. They got longer terms, right? That it, So right. they also, you know, it was definitely some form of deal that that if, that was advantageous to both the people who were voting on the plan and the person who was being, uh, the person who was at the helm of it all, who was in Mussolini. So, yeah. Right. 
not not a not a not a great thing. Not a great thing, guys. Right. Um. All right. <laughs> Let's go on to the next story. Uh, okay. The next story is coming to you from South Africa. Wait, 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 wait. What's that about? I'm singing Christmas, Christmas carols. Christmas carol. Why? Why do you just interrupt in the middle of the show to sing Christmas carols? Okay. Oh, I, I, was I love. I never. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> you interrupted me very rudely, if I must say. I, I love Christmas. Anyways. I love Christmas. Okay. Ain't nobody care. Jesus. Um, Let's move on to the next story, shall we? Yes, yes, yes. The next story, like I mentioned before I was really interrupted, uh-huh. is coming to you from South Africa. Cyril uh-huh. Ramaphosa was chosen to lead South Africans' ruling ANC party. For those of you who don't know, ANC starts, stands for African National Congress, and it's the majority party in South Africa. Yeah. Um, it currently has 249 of the 400 National Assembly seats, and this was actually the party that Nelson Mandela belonged to right. um, when he was president. So it's it's like a big deal. The party controls eight of this country's nine provinces. So South Africa has provinces rather than states. Yep. Um, and he controls eight of the nine provinces with the exception of Western Cape, um, where another party called the Democratic Alliance has been in power. Mm. Um, this was also the party that... Uh, President Zuma belonged to. Yep. Uh, so this is great news because a lot of people do not like President, Z- President Zuma's presidency. Uh, sorry for the extra words. Yes. Um, <laughs> because it was tainted by corruption and scandal and everything. Yep. So people see this as a first start yep. for the party um, to regain its uh, its its position, to regain its um, what it was known for what it was under Nelson Mandela. Um, the party is now deeply divided because of President Zuma's corruption and scandal. Um, it's tarnished the ANC's image both at home and abroad. And people are hoping that Ramaphosa can help to mend what was broken under President Zuma. Mm. Uh, Ramaphosa won the election um, against President Zuma's ex-wife, <laughs> which is interesting. Ooh. Um, and he won just by little. He won with two two thousand four hundred and forty votes to two thousand two hundred and sixty one votes so for. 200. I'm sorry. I said so under, under two hundred. Yeah, Right, right. Um, to his rival Nikozana Dalimina, Dalimina <laughs> which is. Pr- Jacob Zuma's ex-wife. I'm oh so sorry God. for butchering that name. That was terrible. Yeah, apologize. I was, I had practiced, we but it so just sorry. came out wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so sorry, That's but you know, and that was uh, President Zuma's ex-wife, um, mm-hmm. and obviously President Zuma's preferred candidate. Yep. So this is a step in the right direction. Um, if uh, President Zuma's ex-wife had won, it would probably have continued the same way, um, mm-hmm. with the divide getting longer and deeper in the party so hopefully we can expect to see more good news uh, out of south africa because another thing i forgot to mention is because anc has a lot of the national assembly seats um the fact that cyril ramaphosa won to become the leader of the of anc it is projected that he will also be president hmm. the next president when uh president zuma's um term expires in 2019 
So it's not just a step in the right direction for ANC as a party. So it's a, hopefully a step in the right direction for South Africa. So okay. interesting, interesting news, good news. Hopefully, hopefully he's. I wonder how how old he is. Speaking of old men in, in politics, I can't imagine that he's much younger than. Uh, he's sixty-five. He's sixty-five. He's 65 yes. So yes. Well, I guess a little younger. Um, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, check what you can get, right? Yeah. I think like yeah. Jacob Jacob Zuma himself. I mean, he came into the presidency with like seven hundred plus criminal charges against him. Uh, and I don't so know how how he, he got in. Yeah, yeah, when he got in. So so like he, the, the presidency effectively granted him immunity. And right. he essentially used the presidency to shield him from kind of paying for his sins. So um, right. hopefully this is a path towards something better. Uh, Ramaphosa has been a successful businessman. Um, Jedry doesn't seem to have many things in his closet, but right. this is something we'll see. You know, we'll see more information as as, as we move along. Um, right. Okay. Uh, right. Um, and also to include, Ramaphosa had previously quit politics about right. two decades ago to become a businessman. Um, and oh. he was actually, he was supposed to succeed Mandela um, oh. after Mandela was president, but he quit, but the party disagreed and chose Sambo Mbeki instead. So after that, he took a, a break of politics and went to become a successful businessman. Um, and now he's coming back um, into, he came back into politics, active politics five years ago. So hopefully he comes back with a fresh face uh, with, the, with fresh ideas and not just same old. seeing the same thing, right, mm -hmm. as most mm -hmm. politicians have. And hopefully this will be good for the yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, on to the next story. Uh, this actually, this one's hot. It's hot. Oh, my God. Oh, well, sorry, yeah. I did read this before, but it is shocking me the second time around. So, Shell and Eni will face the biggest corporate bribery trial over a $1.1 billion Nigerian oil deal. This is effectively the biggest corporate bribery trial of all time. Do you guys hear that? Of all time. Um, unfortunately, it has to involve a Nigeria. So, yesterday, which was not yesterday, but three days ago, that was December 20th, an Italian judge ordered all giants, the Royal Dutch Shell and Eni, and some current and former employees to stand trial on charges of aggravated international corruption quotes end quotes over the role dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, exactly. <laughs> over the role in a 1.1 billion dollar purchase of opl 245 a lucrative nigerian oil field with an estimated nine billion nine billion barrels of probable reserves the trial will start in milan on march 5th 2018 so you'll put that on your calendar march 5th 2018 look out for the trial of shella any um, no company as large as the Royal Dutch Shell, by the way guys, it's the Royal Dutch Shell, Shell, we all know Shell, um, or such senior executives of a major oil company have ever stood, stood trial for bribery offenses. For years, Shell had claimed that it only paid the Nigerian government for the oil block, but after the joint investigations of Global Witness and Finance uncovered, Shell confessed that it had actually dealt with former oil minister, guess who? Dan Etete, if you guys are familiar with him, <laughs> his name might as well be next to corruption in the dictionary. But um, by his by his uh, oil company, front company, Malibu, um, Etete has, had awarded the OPL 245 oil block to his secretly owned company while serving as oil minister. 
in December 2016, the, the Milan public prosecutor alleged that 520 million from the deal was converted into cash and intended to be paid to the then Nigerian president, good luck, Ibele Jonathan. Members of the government and, the, and other Nigerian and, and other Nigerian government officials. The prosecutor further alleges that money was channeled to any and Shell executives with $50 million in cash delivered to the home of Eni's then head of business for Sub-Saharan Africa, Roberto Casula. So guys, like everybody, this is, this is a whole mess, a whole ass mess. They effectively went in, they bought an all block. So you guys see those numbers, right? Um, the math here kind of just stuck out to me immediately, right? They bought an all, an all well that was projected to have 9 billion barrels for $1.1 billion. So that's about what? How much is that per barrel? That's less than a dollar per barrel, right? Yeah. Right. A, a ninth of a dollar per, per barrel. Imagine that amount. I just, they bought it so clearly... The Nigerian government had given them the price, kind of on the low, given them the the oil field for a bribe. So the 1.1 billion purchase wasn't actually a purchase. It was a bribe that was supposed to apparently, allegedly, go to the Nigerian president and other Nigerian government officials. So depending on how this rolls out, there are a lot of people who could get implicated formally. The former Nigerian president, unfortunately, and members of his government at that time because... You know, they effectively sold a national resource for a highly undervalued price on the low so that they could directly gain from it. Now, if they actually bear, if they actually, you know, feel the consequences of that in any whatsoever, it remains to be seen. But it just really shows you how messy corruption can get because, you know, you think that some of these inter international companies don't necessarily engage in these things and stay above the board. But, you know, Shell simply did not. They do not. I mean, they had the chance to buy... A, a an oil well for perhaps you know a hundred times less than it, it it could have it could have potentially cost them, and you know they went ahead and did it because they were offered through you know of course Danny Tete or Mr. Corruption um, because you know they they had the opportunity to do so so um, yeah this is uh this is the story it's, it's quite sad Michael thoughts um well I was. You know, people always say that these major oil companies always have some comma comma. Mm -hmm. So it's it's always interesting because they have like their trenches are deep into Nigeria. Uh, sure, I mean. <laughs> Everywhere you go, Shell, Chevron, you hear of them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I respect them. I respect their hustle. I respect them giving a lot of Nigerian jobs, but also they kind of have a power over Nigerians. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just one way of seeing them. Uh, what I thought of when I saw this story, this story reminded me so much of this old South African slash Nigerian show called Jacob's Cross. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so Jacob's yeah. Cross. It sounded so much like the plot by Jacob's Cross. Yeah, so you should check that, that out. That show is probably one of the best produced like Nigerian shows maybe about it. Was it a decade ago or so? Maybe like five, seven years ago. Yeah, maybe like five, seven years ago. And it was a mix of Nigerian slash South African. Yeah. So it was good to see that collaboration as well. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. Yeah. Definitely check it out if you can. Maybe it's on YouTube, probably. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. But speaking maybe. of, so you, you brought up history. And if you remember the story, whole story of Ken Sarawiwa and all those people who were activists for the Niger Delta region, especially when 
Um, environmentalism wasn't that big a deal globally yet, but you know, the Shell was out there destroying destroying communities and such, and those people right. stood up against that. And those people effectively leveraged the Nigerian government to kill its own people to defend, you know, their profits and whatnot. So, um, yeah, right. deep, 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 deep story. So, my listener, that listener of mine who's going to become president, when you do the first thing you do is kick Shell and all of them out of this country, all of the country. Um, right. Jokes. Not really. Um, yes, yeah, so next story. Go. So the next story is coming to us from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some violence going on in that country um, between different ethnic groups in the Oromia region. Uh, it's been a cause for major instability in, um, in that province. Um, and been going on since about 2015. There have been bloody protests since 2015 and 2016. Hmm. Uh, it's resulted in killing of over 32 Somalis um, who were sheltered in the area um, following the previous round of violence, which is interesting. The cause of the latest violence is not known. So it's been ongoing since 2015, but with different causes. Um, and the cause of the latest violence is not known. Uh, but it did follow protests in Oromia's Selenko town, where the region's officials said 16 ethnic Oromas were shot dead on Tuesday by soldiers trying to disperse the crowd. Uh, so the Ethiopian government is still trying to figure out what to do um, to settle the, the disputes in that region. Um, and that region is close to Somalia, um, mm. And Somalia and Ethiopia also have a history of not really getting along. Um, I don't know how to go into it, but th- that might be it. Might be one of those tribes. The Somalis might be one of those tribes that exist in both Somalia and, and, and Ethiopia. Yeah. Um, so here we see the conflict. But I just think it's really sad to see that we still have ethnic disputes in countries. Um, you see, not just in Ethiopia, you see it in Nigeria as well. And I can speak on Nigeria because, hey, I'm Nigerian. Right. But, and fortunately for us, Nigerian dispute is, isn't really any longer um, killing necessarily. Um, but we, well, it still is, but not, not, in a, not in high capacity, I would say. Um, but you, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'm yeah, wrong. Maybe that's I'm fair, wrong. That's fair, uh, and feel free to correct me, um, my dear, our dear listeners, if you, if anything I've said here is incorrect. But what you see in Nigeria is more like, oh, the last president was Yoruba, let the next president be Igbo, that sort of thing, or all oh, people are trying to bring back the Biafra. Um, um, uh, did I, I said that wrong? Did I? Biafra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, but. But it's interesting. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ethiopia has the second largest population um, after yeah. Nigeria mm-hmm. um, in Africa. So it's interesting to see, or not interesting, it's sad to see that there are still killings going on in Ethiopia of their people, by their people. Okay. Um, I don't think that should be the case, you know. I think, I think that, I mean, the Oromos, if I remember correctly, are the largest tribe within the country and oftentimes so for example in in uh 
of because they're the largest they've generally from my understanding had a, a, a monopoly on power and um, which to some yeah. might be okay to some not so much um but clearly right. that's you know created certain levels of friction of course if if they don't feel like the process for selection is fair to everybody who enters whether or not they're from one tribe or another um, and then at right. the end of the day we have to really distill the breakdown of tribes you know they say they say ethnic and all those kind of things but oftentimes you know it's like you and your brothers and your friends go out to protest they, somebody else kills your friends or your brothers you know that that retaliation comes usually out of knowing personally the people who were murdered um and oftentimes it's just a cycle that you know and, and then who knows why this one started but maybe somebody was brooding on something that happened in 2015 and 2016 and decided to do something about it um right so so we just have to we just have to we just have to really be very cautious of you know managing these things and want and, and creating societies that are collective um, and that's very difficult because ethnic identity is always so profound there's so many differences there's so many things that people do within their individual tribes um so anything that seems to to diminish that is always looked on very aggressively you know so yeah that's it that's it, that's it. That's all I gotta say about that. Um, yeah, that's yeah. all you gotta say. Okay. Of course, as always, we pray for the families of those who are lost. Um, it's not only when people die in Europe that 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 matters. Um, we have to definitely right. Uh, so show our um sympathy to people who die in our own continent. Um, our next story okay. is uh, one that's a little more positive, depending on how you look at it. Um, Egypt has launched its first locally built smartphone. With the help with china's help um last week in a lavish ceremony president abdel fatah el sisi depending how you feel about him as well was handed the first locally made smartphone called the nile x i think that name is so cool and, oh, God, like dun, that dun. name is so dope now it's like i switch out of my iphone so simple, X. So cool. yeah now oh, you got that new nile x oh boy you you um, but yeah, that's a that's a nice like I, I like the name. So moving forward, uh, it's designed for the Egyptian consumer, um, in like the president's push for investment in the technology sector. Um, the administration has effectively supported an Egyptian Silicon Valley in a suite deep in the country's impoverished southern region to essentially jumpstart local manufacturing. Uh, the Nile X, the Android phone with four gig RAM and an nifty thirteen megapixel camera will retail for about $112. Yo, $112? Other products will range for from about 200 Egyptian pounds, which is $11, to a basic smartphone to 4200 4, Egyptian pounds, which is 235 for tablets, and will be available to Egyptian consumers on December, 3rd, December 15th. Um, the Egyptian Ministry of Information and Communications Technology invested about 400 million Egyptian pounds. That's about two twenty-two point four million dollars in the in the project. And that's that's like that's really awesome. They are the government itself is like putting money into it, puts putting their money where their mouth is. Not just saying, oh, you know, we want you to have want technology to develop, and then all you do is create roadblocks and create all these associations that essentially tax people which is what you know uh, startup founders are struggling with in many countries in africa so you know it's, it's really wonderful to see that the government itself is building things for their people i mean if you compare if you perhaps compare the amount of the kind of the average wage and average income of 
the average Egyptian to the amounts that these cost. Maybe this to them is the iPhone range. Does that make sense? Um, so that's right. that's I, I just find it phenomenal because I mean a hundred and twelve dollars for like a thirty megapixel camera. I might just say, you know it's, it's a nice. It seems like a nice product price at least from this perspective to compare to an eight hundred dollar or nine hundred. Do first of all, the iPhone still costs I us eight hundred dollars. That's even unlikely, but. <clears throat> You know, it's, it's really great that the government itself is taking, um, taking a step. You know, because you know, to them putting their money where their mouth is perhaps can peer pressure other investors into investing in the markets. And then you mentioned that Ethiopia was the second largest country in Africa after that is Egypt. So they do have a ch nice chunk of population. Whereas anybody that creates any product that is uh, that has some level of mass appeal could make a lot of money there. So you know, hey, good on you, Egypt. Um, good on you. Get on you. Yeah. Thoughts? Um, well, this is impressive to see. And I don't know, I'm not familiar with what other um, technological development that Egypt has had in the past, but this is a fresh breeze for me compared to, and I'm going back to Nigeria, country Nigeria, who is still struggling to why, why produce pencils. Why are you talking about something else? Hey, I mean, if, if taking shots would stir up conversation That's and fine. cause people That's to fine. think yeah. think in the right direction then yeah. hey Stimulate. take shots Stimulate. all i can yes um and don't get me wrong there are wonderful people doing wonderful things in nigeria That's but true. from a government there doesn't seem to be enough push um and that's why we're still struggling to produce pencils ourselves hmm. um but this is a nice turnout from our not african Brothers and sisters, I believe. Yeah, awesome stuff. Good stuff. Your turn. My turn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, the next news is out of my dear country, Nigeria. Shots fired. Uh, um, it's Christmas time. Curious, you may see all the. What right, Christmas in Nigeria is popping. By the way, if you've never been. It's just is it a delightful popping? experience. Oh, it can be popping if you know the right people, is which I don't popping? always happen to know. Well, well, tell but the it, it tell can the be story first. Tell the story. Well, let our guests, let our listeners decide. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's popping because you know there are a lot of concerts. People are coming back from all over to Nigeria because mm -hmm. Nigerians travel a lot to live in other places. But true. during Christmas time, they come back either to go to their village or to be in the cities like Lagos and Abuja. Different concerts are put on. There are different events. There's something going on every day. Art shows, mm -hmm. just them, things that you you would you can do with your own people. Things you would do in America as well, but also things you can get to do in Nigeria. And I think that um, it's wonderful that we have those type of events now. Um, so not only do you get to see your family and friends and come back, you also get to have a grand ball time. Yeah. Um, but that's if you can move around. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone knows about traffic situation in Lagos, for instance. Yep. Just awful. But how about traffic combined with no no gas, no fuel? Yep. Because there's currently gas shortages and endless queues at fuel stations. So if you are hoping to come back and have a jolly good time, it might just end up that you just end up sitting in your house. You don't have to do a whole lot of walking and jogging. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just watch the shows from Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, with the few lucky people that do get to go around. Um, mm -hmm. 
But yes, more on this story. NNPC, Nigeria State Oil Company, uh, sources refined products through a direct sale, direct purchase system that depends on independent marketers bringing in refined products. But all prices have recently increased, so more so marketers are pushing for more concessions from NNPC in form of subsidies or an increase in pump prices. Uh, marketers claim that they cannot currently bring in petrol at the moment, given the prospect of low profit margins and, and anticipating such strategies, petrol stations across the country have been hoarding petrol. So hoarding as in they have petrol, but they don't want to give it out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they want the government to adjust prices upward so that they can raise their profit margin and resume supply. And everyone knows, even if you haven't studied economics, you all know the the small detail about supply and demand and everything. Right. And demand is great and supply is low, prices go up, all of that. Um, um, they, so that's essentially what the four stations want from the government. Um, to mark up the shortfalls in supply, NNPC has reportedly started importing petrol, but the arrangement is not sustainable, as previous shortages have shown. Uh, in May 2015, for instance, following a dispute between fall importers and the government, a critical petrol shortage resulted in a near-total shutdown of the co- economy as media, banks, and telecom firms were forced to shut their operations because they didn't have fall. And everyone knows that electricity is also not constant in Nigeria. Yep. So not not only do they need fall for their cars, they need fall for their generators yep. to provide electricity. Well, is an important ingredient to life for Nigerians, to say the least. Right. Um, so it led to almost a near shutdown in 2015, and only knows with the amount of people that are back in Nigeria right now, what that would be doing to them. Yeah. Um, as NNPC cannot cater to imports by itself, enlisting mar- marketers to import and distribute mm. petrol products across Nigeria is crucial to meeting demand nationwide. Nationwide, so this is not just a problem in Lagos or Abuja. This is a, a problem across all 36 states of Nigeria. Hmm. Um, one reason prices tend to be higher around this time of the year is increased demand for petrol products in most regions where Nigeria imports from. Oh. Prices around winter always tend to be higher. Yes, and this is true even in the U.S. For instance, hmm. prices for gas around winter is higher. Yep. Um, and we are meant to adjust the prices as you know demand mm-hmm. is higher as well. Yeah, but but um, they always have this issue around December where they don't want to adjust prices, fighting back and forth. The alternative is that the petroleum industry would be excuse mm-hmm. me would be deregulated yep. um, for prices to be dictated year round by market forces of demand and supply. Right. This is a uh, this is a Unfortunately, really sad one. Um, it's not the first time we've heard of it. It's not it surprising. It happens every year, pretty yeah. much. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of a catch twenty two because currently the 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 Nigerian importers, the ones that the private importers of petrol that run all these all these uh, stations, effectively have formed a cabal, right? And cabal is a word we throw around, but let's say a union of some sort, an unofficial union where they all pretty much act the same way whenever. So right. the, the, the conundrum for the government is that, okay, if we say market forces, if we say let's just deregulate, how do we guarantee that you guys will not just all oh, just super high prices and then people have to deal with what they have to deal with? 
Does that right. make sense? Because they don't right. act like a market would, which means that when there's no, when there's not increased demand, that prices would just go down as much as possible. Because yeah, because they could, because unfortunately, because of how absurdly they act at a period of high demand, because that's the truth. This is currently a period of high demand. Okay, let's say they can't hack up their prices to take advantage of it. But at least, the least you would want to do is to sell out your stock so that you make the right. money off of what you have. That's the least you would right. want to do. So that when there's no fail, that there's no, there's no fuel. But instead, they hoard it. They essentially pretty much don't sell or try not to sell as much. Um, under the assumption that they will somehow sort of sell it out. But they are, you know, I generally want to sell as much volume as you have, as you can, so you get economics of, of sale and then you make money unless the unless that unless you're making losses off of the prices off of the right. amounts but i strongly doubt that that's the case so that's the conundrum of the government what the government should do or at least what the government should do is make market entry very simple for importers right so mm -hmm. make essentially say oh everybody can be an importer so that competition is it's hard to collaborate on it does that make sense? So demand will essentially sway on whoever has the lowest price. That's that's generally how it would happen. And then you know, set up rules where you know all of these all of these places have to have huge signs. They have to be registered to an online database so people can find the cheapest place. Then at that point, it becomes as much of a market as possible. So you don't necessarily limit the markets, but you really, really do as much as possible to make it act like an actual market because the conundrum now is that if they deregulated it all these people just hack their prices off permanently and they never reduce it and they right. could because where else would you buy why else would you buy fuel if you know that is it's five dollars or you know an absurd amount every day everywhere so yeah that's my that's my two cents sorry for sorry for speaking so passionate actually <laughs> no, i don't apologize don't so, ever apologize for passion yeah sorry not don't sorry apologize for passion. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's one of those things that you know it bothers me significantly because you know these are nigerians fellow nigerians treating nigerians in, in, in what is an unfair way but truly that's really what our government is as well um, and right. then you have uncreative people who aren't willing to think very carefully and try new strategies because my issue is not when you don't don't if when you fail my issue is when they don't try and the nigeria government right. has been absolutely silent on it Buhari hasn't said shit after mm -hmm. posting pictures of, of of how the guy has is a funny guy a couple of weeks ago yeah they haven't said anything and for you to just sit in silence while your people suffer that's unconscionable and right. yeah that's unconscionable that's unacceptable anyways please uh next um. story oh do you have thoughts sorry i'm sorry no, I mean, <laughs> you said everything that I could possibly have said. Um, and this is just a cycle that we keep repeating year in, year out. So, <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see what can come from it. Hopefully yeah. with with a new president come 2019, whoever yeah. that may be, yeah. um, we'll begin to see some changes. Yeah. I remember um, scrolling through social media and seeing a picture of uh, our vice president's Mm -hmm. um with his wife he apparently released some christmas pictures very lovely pictures but someone <laughs> put at the picture i was like yeah, your, your citizens are struggling for well and here you are releasing christmas pictures like, but i mean just, hey no the man's got to release his pictures yeah, but, but i mean but you can just but it's, it seems yeah. insensitive yes yeah, when it's, people it's are struggling and and some people need well for a living like yep. especially those market women that sell that guy tomato in the market the or whatever. The economy runs on 
having runs on on having well because yeah. electricity is in shambles so, so they yeah. need they need kerosene they need other sources of of um other petroleum products as well yeah. and you know it doesn't seem like the government cares enough yeah which is very actually, sad. That's actually right on my ideas for how they can fix that regulatory debacle that they have. Um, anyways, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, moving on to the last and final story for today. Isn't it my um, turn? Oh, right. It is your turn. Wild. 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 I just like hearing my own voice. You know? uh, apparently. <laughs> well, as juicy. As we can juicy, see. juicy. <laughs> Anyways, my bad, my bad. So, 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 and then unfortunate, unfortunate news, truly unfortunate news. Um, Africa's leading innovation scholar, Kalesto Zuma has, Juma has died. Um, I don't know if you followed this man on Twitter, but he was just always hitting us with that wisdom left and right. Um, I have an, an unnerving respect for the Kenyan people because I think that over the last couple of years they've produced some of the intellectuals of our times and that's not exclusive to them of course but Kalesos Juma was definitely one of them he was you know a luminary who championed the cause of innovation and technology in the transformation of African countries his books his papers about the environment biotechnology education AI and the politics of Africa really made him a towering figure both in the continent and across the world um, he has died. Unfortunately, he was at the young age of 64. He was a faculty member at the Harvard Kennedy School and he died while undergoing treatment in Boston, Massachusetts. His lawyer, Peter Wanyama, told the Daily Nation newspaper that he was unwell in recent weeks and could not even attend his mother's burial that took place two weeks ago. So he, he passed, well, unfortunately, not too uh, long after his, his uh, mother. Uh, his, uh, his mother. Uh, he was well, born in Busia in western Kenya. He worked as a school teacher and was subsequently employed as a journalist at the Nation newspaper. He later transitioned to work as a researcher at the Environmental Liaison Center in Nairobi, a position he credited getting after being hired by the late Kenyan Nobel Prize winner Wangari Maathai. Um, so, I mean, for Wangari Maathai to trust him, you know, that was a Nobel Prize winner, I actually had the good fortune of meeting her in person in, in an airport in Kenya once and, and you know just just even that association gives you an idea of what type of man he was um, for a lot of young Africans he was looked to as a person who would, who would be a, a, a at, at minimum a, a, a an idea board to, to bounce your thoughts against somebody that you could potentially uh, have conversations with and say oh you know this, this is what I'm thinking about this is how I feel like we can innovate in this sector and that's how a lot of people look to him his his death truly 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 is a huge blow for for um of course his family first and we, we keep them in our, our prayers mm. and we and we pray you know for 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 them that they they get reprieve but um this was a phenomenal individual and uh it's it's really sad that he's passed away um Kalestos juma was uh, just one heck of an individual and he had a Twitter too. This is how I, you know, I, I knew him. I, I followed him at the time on Twitter and uh, he, he was just, Illuminary is the best way to just incredibly intelligent, had a well-rounded knowledge on a variety of things that could help with our continent and yeah, it's, it's quite sad uh, 
to have yeah. bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I just say that this is one of those people that our parents were thinking about when they say, does he have two heads? Because yeah. I only see one and I've been looking at pictures to maybe find the second one, but he only has one. Yeah. And he was still able to do remarkable, remarkable things. Yeah. Um, he also advised the UN. He advised former President Barack Obama and yeah. government on po policy issues. Um, and it's so sad to see his life cut short at not a very old age. Um, but fortunately for him, he survived by his wife and his son. Eric of Cambridge, Massachusetts. So hopefully they'll be able to keep his legacy alive. Um, and his legacy is alive through his many books, through his many ideas um, on on how to leap on of leap, leapfrog technology. Um, and you guys can look up what that means. But um, that's that's basically what he advocated for. Um, he advocated for new technologies in developing worlds. Um, 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 he, well, he will be buried in January um, in Port Victoria, Kenya. Um, yeah. So you guys can look out for that ceremony if you if you can, if it's online. Um, and we're so sad to see his life gone. But he will live on as as others like him, Chinua Chebe, and others that were very influ influential in the African in African homes do. And hopefully, we get to see his ideas realized in our African countries. Yeah. All right. We have come to the end of our news update. We do seven stories every other week. And um, guys, we miss you. Wish you. I said we miss you. We mi we do miss you. I miss you. I miss you so bad. Um, we, mi we, wish we miss you and we wish you a wonderful Christmas. Um, we wish you a wonderful New Year's celebration. Please um, be careful as you travel, drive all the above, no matter what part of the world you happen to be in. Um, if you happen to be back on the continent, though, I do recommend strongly that you take a little time out of your vacation to um, look around, to explore a little bit, get a familiarity with the issues and perhaps things that uh, not so not so large effort can resolve. You know, if there are things you can help with, um, donating to orphanages, uh, helping tutoring, helping. Um, people with applications to college, helping people with research, all of the above. Um, I think that it never hurts to, to, to push and to, to help in little ways because um, sometimes change isn't necessarily one individual coming out doing something incredible and amazing. Right. Oftentimes it's very many individuals doing little things and, and pushing. Small drops making an ocean. Exactly. Yeah. Small drops making an ocean. So I definitely encourage that. Um, as much as you want to enjoy and party and, and meet people you haven't seen before. Um, and yeah, you know, really, really yeah. uh, enjoy yourselves and uh, w wish you a phenomenal set of holidays, no matter which ones you are celebrating. Um, we say yeah. Merry Christmas because Merry Christmas. Christmas itself is tomorrow. I know there's Kwanzaa, Hanukkah. Christmas the... isn't tomorrow. It's the day after tomorrow. It's tomorrow to me. No, it is the oh. day after tomorrow. I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, it's, it'll be tomorrow by the time this podcast is Exactly. Released. It'll be tomorrow oh, okay. by the time this podcast yeah, My bad. I'm thinking <laughs> ahead, girl. Um, but yeah, for real. Uh, enjoy your the rest of your day, Sonica. Want to sign off real quick? Yes. Um, to add to what Aki has said, Christmas is a time where people are generous. Uh, you're buying gifts for your friends, your families, but don't forget um, those who are without with with very little 
um, especially if you're going back to, to African countries to meet your families, to to pop it off, to have fun and all that. Don't forget uh, the less fortunate. And mm-hmm. if I saw a lot of people do this, and I'm just extremely grateful to them for doing it. If you can, if you can go to an orphanage to, you know, volunteer. If you can start like a soup kitchen sort of thing uh, where you just give food to the less privileged. Please take time, a day, two days out of your day. And um, there are plenty, plenty of opportunities um, if you just scroll through your social media to help to get involved um, and to help the less privileged. Like Akin was saying, it doesn't necessarily take a grand idea of how to fix all the issues that are in Africa, in in Africa as a continent or all the issues that in each individual African country, but it takes just little drops, little steps, one step forward, um, and we'll eventually get to that good standing. Yep. So um, it was great talking to you guys. It was great um, speaking with you. We hope that you have a Merry Christmas. And once again, please don't forget to reach out to us if you have any questions on our news stories. Yeah. If you have any questions on, if you have any comments on how we may improve how we deliver the news to you, please yeah. let us know uh, through email. I can't what's that email again. Foxsaveafrica at gmail.com. And we are also available on Twitter. Pod um, Save Africa with a zero as the O. So it's P zero, then D, Save yeah. Africa. Um, so please feel free to reach out to us. We will work on being more available on social media. Sure. Um, so we don't want this to be a one communication thing where we're yeah. just talking to you. We want you to talk to us as well. Um, yeah. We don't bite. We're very friendly and we would love to hear your voices. You can also reach out to us personally. Um, I'm also available on Twitter at consular underscore. Um, so please feel free to reach out to me. Akin's also available as... Akin, I did, I really... Um, so, and we would love to hear your comments, your opinions. Um, and hopefully we can share some of your opinions on the podcast as well, you know? Yeah. Give us a little shout out. Yeah. Um, um, if, if we so may. Um, yeah. And we'll incorporate that into our episodes as well. Right. So thank Bye. you so much. Love you. Bye. Good. Bye. Nothing, 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 nothing,